All right, so let me get uh, Grace Ann, Tanner, uh, Acord, <laughs> whoops, sorry Tyler, and Reva Austin. Where's Reva? Nice. So Grace Ann and Reva are co-chairs for our Born Again Blessings uh, consignment sale, you've, you've heard us. We've been announcing about that. It's coming up soon. Uh, so, Reba, why don't you hold that for a second? Uh, tell us how long have we been doing this? Born Again Blessings is probably one of the very first ministries this church had. Um, the group of women that were part of it came into the church as a group, and um, so it's been going for almost 20 years. So 20 years here, and then... Prior to that, 10 prior years. Prior to that, 10 years uh-huh. before this church was even started. So so 30 years we've been doing this. Awesome. Okay. That's amazing. Right, I'm going to give that back to you in a minute. So what are our biggest needs as we move towards this sale? Um, so y'all have been doing really well signing up to volunteer. That's so um, Thank you. Thank you. So, um, so that's awesome. But... Our goal is to have as many people as we can to help so that, because many hands make light work, as my mother would say. So um, if we can get as many of you to volunteer, then it will be easier on everybody to set up and take down. So volunteers, also, we need people to sell their clothes because if we don't have any clothes or baby toys or things to sell, then we're not going to make it. So you need volunteers and you need sellers. Yes. How would someone volunteer? If you can, there's a table straight out these double doors. All you have to do is sign your name on a piece of paper. Um, we have time slots available, and that's it. Reva or I will be at the table for the next few Sundays, and that's all you have to do. Or and you'll get an email or a phone call to remind you when you signed up for. And how would they become a seller? To sell, go to bornagainblessings.com. And you just click on the little sellers tab and it'll walk you right through it. It's super easy. I'm currently putting my stuff in to sell. Perfect. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, Reva, as we move towards this sale, what would you say is your hope or prayer for this particular sale? Something specific. I just would love for people to get a picture of what we do and why we do it. Um, Over the years, we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to go into the Barnabas Fund to help support the community and the people in the church that have needs. Um, Also, I would love to see some of these volunteers get invested in the sale and want to join the committee so that we would have some more consistent help on the committee um, to do this thing and do it large for the Lord. Same question. Um, so I was praying about this earlier during worship and I think one thing that we're doing this sale for the first time, which is really just amazing and on my heart is we're inviting these teen moms from Marietta high school to come in and to shop. Um, and we're just going to give them a gift card for X amount of money to come in and get clothes for their babies. And I think I think Dad talked about it a couple Sundays ago in the fact that we're celebrating the fact that they had their babies. Um, so I want to be able to do that more. I want it to not just be these 10 girls from Mary at the high school. So 
All right. Y'all raise your hands up this way. Let's pray for them. Mm. Jesus, thank you for born again blessings. Thank you for all the ladies on the committee and for the outstanding job that they do, the way that they serve you and the way that they serve our community. I pray blessing on them as they move towards this next sale. Uh, I pray, God, for, for volunteers. I pray for numbers and numbers and numbers of volunteers to get involved, uh, to be a part of this, this awesome thing that you're doing. We pray specifically, Lord, for those uh, teenage moms that will be coming. Uh, we pray for other others who will be coming from, from places like Rescuing Hope and, and other places, that they would feel valued and loved by the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay, so uh, we have a new elder. And uh, we want to pray for him. And so I'm going to invite Mike Smith and his wife Kim to come. And I'm going to invite, if, you've ever, if you currently are an elder or you have ever been an elder at Riverstone, I would like for you to come. And you can, you can bring your wife if she wants to come. Don't make her come. <laughs> and then pastors... Uh, and you can bring your wives if they want to come as well, okay? But Kim has to come. Come on! See that X-ray? <laughs> nice. All right. Fantastic. So Micah has been uh, an elder before, and we say once an elder, always an elder. So uh, he's coming around for a second term, and uh, he knows what he's getting into, so can't apologize to you for that. Um, but he's, uh, he and Kim are leaders here at Riverstone. If you've been here any amount of time at all, you've been exposed to their leadership and just the way that they serve and the way that they love. and. If I could say one thing about the two of them, they express the heart of the Father uh, as well as anybody I know. And uh, so we are, yeah. What we want to do today is, is just pray for Mike and, and for Kim as well, but commission them uh, in this uh, next season of eldership. And I'm going to invite any of you, uh, current or former elders or pastors, spouses, whatever, if you have a word uh, that you want to give or a prayer that you want to pray, here's the mic. And after we've had some time for everyone who wants to pray, to pray, then I will close. How about that? Y'all good? Okay. Jesus, we just thank you so much for Mike Smith. Lord, the blessing that he has continued to be to this body. 
Lord, we ask so that you would just release a double portion of wisdom and discernment in this season um, as uh, he aids in, in decision-making and raising a standard in the church. Lord, we thank you so much, uh, Lord, for what you've continued to place in his heart. God, we ask for an increase in um, the prophetic voice in his life. And Lord, that he would be able to see things coming from a long way off. Jesus, we, we long that you would... Um, you would strengthen our church through the leadership in the church. And God, I ask Lord, that he would be a good helpmate, Lord, that you would give him strategy for as a supporting role, Jesus. When your name and Kim's name were mentioned, something stirred with You have been a steadfast man, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. And I pray that over you now, knowing that your heart and Kim's hearts are set to please the Lord. And when choices come, you'll make the choice that answers what honors you most. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that the symbolism of Mike's posture right now would carry through uh, the entire time uh, that he will serve as an elder, Lord, uh, on his knees before you. Lord, I pray that for not only Mike, uh, but the rest of the elders and the entire uh, leadership team that includes the pastors, Lord. Come, Lord. There's nothing we need more than unity, unity of the Holy Spirit. Break down any walls, break down all barriers. Bring, bring your, the strength of your peace, God. Lord, you know we welcome you here. We just welcome you so, so much in worship, Lord. And now we welcome you to lead this church, Lord. You, you always have, but Lord, we just ask for a special blessing this time. Do a new thing, Lord. Cause a new thing to happen, God. We just submit to you. Today, we thank you for Mike and we thank you for Kim and for the way that they have served and for the way that they will serve. We pray blessing on them. We pray grace on them. Lord, your word tells us that when you call us to something, you give us what we need to do the task. And so we're thankful today that you have placed inside of Mike everything he needs. And so, Mike, today we commission you as an elder for Riverstone Church, and we bless you, and Kim, we bless you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.
Also want to mention that uh, on Wednesday we, we jump back into our classes, RS Together. So if you were in class two weeks ago, uh, look forward to seeing you again. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you could still sign up. You kind of missed the first week, but uh, we'd probably let you come if you want to. So uh, it, you can try to sign up, and if for some reason you can't because of things that I don't know, which is a lot, um, you can just call the office, and we'll figure it out. Uh, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Y'all got that? There we go. Beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Lord, I pray Uh, that you would speak to us today. Uh, I pray that your word would be heard. Uh, Anything that you want to say, Lord, I pray you give us ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So, someday I may preach a sermon on reasons why people don't come to church, but what would be the point, right? Because they wouldn't be here. So I could, I could preach a sermon on reasons why people don't come to church every Sunday, but I'd have to preach it several weeks in a row. And so I don't know, maybe I won't, maybe I won't do that. But what I do want to talk about today is a little bit of uh, why people do come to church. I I want to mention about four reasons that people come to church. And I want to say from the beginning that all of these are good reasons. Uh, I don't know that there's necessarily a bad reason. I guess that there are bad reasons. Motives or bad reasons to come to church, uh, if you, you know, really boil it down. But, but the good thing about that is that even if you come here for a bad reason, a good something can happen. Uh, you might come here with the wrong motive and God would just ambush you and change your life forever. And, uh, and that would wind up being a good thing. So, uh, four things, four reasons. Uh, that people come to church. One, uh, many of you come to church because you want to be equipped. And that's, that's a really good thing. That's a good reason to come to church. In fact, uh, that's the job 
of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from, from this idea uh, through, through the history of the church. We kind of fell into this idea of thinking that the job of the church was to save people, right? You know, if I have a lost friend, I've I got to take them to the church so the preacher can get them saved. And that kind of is the vein that we started heading into, which really is, uh, like it or not, it's not my job to save the lost. It's your job. And uh, the good news is you don't have to do it alone. God says that he will actually empower you and equip you. Uh, your job actually is obedience. Uh, his job is result. All the results are dependent on him, not you. Uh, but you are responsible to be obedient in the work of the ministry. And so some of you come to be equipped. You come because you want to be equipped. You want to be trained in doing the work of the ministry. And that's, that's really the job of the church. So if you come to be trained so that you can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and be more uh, effective in the ministry that God has given you, then that's a great reason to come to church, to be equipped. Now, I will say to you that back when I was 19 years old and I felt God calling me and, and he was calling me to be a leader in the church. But my wording for that was God is calling me into the ministry, right? That's what we called it. God is calling me into the ministry. But the truth is, how many of us in this room are called into the ministry? All of us. And so if you come here on Sundays to be equipped, that's a great thing. And the church's job is to equip you, whether that's Sunday or Wednesday night or at a home group, uh, in the student ministry, at dwelling place, uh, the team that ministers on Thursday night this week. They've been trained and equipped to do the work of the ministry. And that's, that is the job of the church. So some of you come to church to be equipped. Uh, some of you come to the church. Some of you come to church to encounter the living God. And guys, that's a great reason to come. That's a great reason to come. We, we want to gather as the people of God, as the family of God, and have a corporate encounter. Now, honestly, you can encounter God anywhere. You can encounter God by yourself. You can encounter God uh, just with your family at home. You can encounter God somewhere else, at work, at the Dairy Queen. I, I don't know, wherever. You can, you can encounter God. But there is something, I believe, that is different and special, maybe even unique, about encountering God in the house of God with the people of God. And we talk about encounter at Riverstone because we don't want church to be a place where we gather to talk about God or think about God. We want it to be a place where we come together and gather to engage the presence of the living God. Because we believe that he is here, present in this room, and that his desire is that we would leave here different than we came. And so if you come, 
if church for you is something that you do uh, for encounter, then that's, that's a great reason to come. Third reason that people come to church is because it's Sunday. Uh, honestly, I grew up in a household in, in North Alabama uh, where we went to church because it was Sunday. And I, w- I want to say to you parents, there are worse things in the world than making your kids go to church. Okay? So don't fall into that trap of thinking that it should be their choice. Okay? Until they have a job. And I don't mean a part-time job that pays for their movie tickets. I mean a full-time job that pays their bills and they live in a house that they pay for. If you're in my family, your butt's going to church on Sunday. Okay, so (laughs) some people go to church just because it's Sunday and that's what you do on Sunday and that's okay. That's not a terrible reason for going. But I will say this. I grew up in a family where we went to church every Sunday. And for the first 18 years of my life, I was in church almost every Sunday. And not one person in my household was saved. But it's not a terrible reason coming, and, and again, uh, some of you are, are here today just because it's Sunday, and that's not a terrible thing. It's just not enough. Uh, but again, you may have come here today because it's Sunday, and God may do something that you weren't expecting. Uh, and so those three things are, are not bad reasons. They're, they're, in fact, some of them are really good reasons. Coming to be equipped is a great reason. Coming for encounter is a great reason. And then I would even contend that coming because it's Sunday is a pretty good reason to come to church. But what I really want to focus on today uh, is another reason that people come. And it's just, it's, it's not better than the others. Uh, maybe, it, I don't think it's worse than the others. It's just kind of right there with the others. And, but it's the thing I want to talk about today. Uh, people come to church to get right. People come to church to get right. Uh, maybe maybe you're not saved. And maybe some things have gone on in your life and you have realized your need for God. And, and you came here today to get right. Maybe you have no idea why you're here. But God brought you here so that you could get right. I have a friend who's a pastor up in Tennessee. He was telling me this week the story about this guy. They, they have, in the Nashville area, 400 churches have committed to fast and pray for, the, for revival for 30 days. 400 churches. They sent out 40,000 packets to their members to pray for the, for the people of, of the greater Nashville area. And so if you get a packet, you get 15 names of people. They just took them out of the phone book. Y'all know what a phone book is? 
Okay. They just took them out of some list. I don't know. But, so the 15 names, and you just pray for those people by name. And, and two weeks ago uh, at a church, not, not my friend's church, but another church, this man shows up on a Wednesday during the day, walks into the church office and says, can somebody tell me about Jesus? And they, they said he looked disheveled and just, you know, messed up. And can somebody tell me about Jesus? And, and actually the executive pastor led him to Jesus because the lead pastor wasn't there. And so the executive pastor leads him to Jesus and then says, tonight we're having baptism service. Do you want to come back and, and be baptized? And so he comes back that night and he's baptized. And then following Sunday, his family, his whole family comes to church. And one of his children finds the executive pastor. He says, I'm looking for Andrew. And they said, this is Andrew. And he says, last Wednesday, you led a man named such and such to Jesus. And he said, yes, I did. And then you baptized him that night. Yes, I did. That was my father. And two days later, he died. And the whole family got saved Sunday. And then they find out that one of the packets that was sent to one of the people in my friend's church had that man's name among their 15 people to pray for. So I say all of that to say that if you don't know Jesus personally and you just wound up here today and you have no reason, you have no idea why, that's why. So, to get right, some of you are not saved and you came here to get right. Some are saved, but you're in a condition that I would call enslaved. Saved, but enslaved. You've trusted in Jesus for salvation. And that's about as far as it's gone. You know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. But your life has no rhythm. It really, you can't sustain uh, your, your walk with the Lord Habitual sin kicks your rear end every day. And, and maybe you came here today to get right. Uh, another would be that maybe you're saved and you're just, you just feel stuck. You know, it's not, it's not that you're living in sin. It's not that habitual sin is kicking you around. You just feel stuck. Maybe there's a wall. It feels like there's a wall in front of you that you can't quite push through. And, and that, that could be you. And uh, I, I just I want to say that if you came here today because you have just have this feeling inside of you, in your heart, in your soul, that there's a need for you to get right, then today could be a big day for you. I want to read to you some things. And uh, I thought about putting these on the screen, but I really don't want your eyes to be occupied. Uh, so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask everybody who will to just close your eyes. And I want you to listen. And I want you to listen with your ears, but, but more than that even, I want you to listen with your heart. And I'm just going to read you some, some stuff. Ian Bounds. Lived from 1835 to 1913. 
He actually spent the last 17 years of his life in Washington, Georgia, praying. And he wrote this, what we need are people of prayer. Not methods, not plans, not systems. Prayer. And then he said, dead men preach dead sermons. Samuel Bringle, who lived from 1860 to 1936, said, What happens when we give ourselves fully? Our hearts and lives overflow. The blessed Holy Ghost comes in and Jesus becomes all. Samuel Chadwick lived from 1860 to 1932. He wrote, the real work of a church depends upon the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that makes a temple of the living God. Later on, as he was praying later in his life and and really seeking the Lord, he he wrote this. There came into my soul a deep peace, a thrilling joy. And a new sense of power. Charles Finney lived from 1792 to 1875. He preached and, and about revival. He prayed for revival. His ministry was mostly in Ohio and New York. It's estimated that 500,000 people came to Christ under his ministry. He was one of the first to give altar calls. He he gave altar calls when no one else did. He tells about a time early in his ministry where he, he was desperate. And he says, the Lord spoke, will you accept me today? What are you waiting for? He says, I was full of pride and I went deep into the woods so no one could see. I couldn't pray. I began to think it was too late that God must have given up on me. This thought took such powerful possession of me that I cried at the top of my voice. I exclaimed that I would not leave that place if all the men on earth and all the devils in hell surrounded me. This at last broke me. When you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Later that same day, alone in his office, he wrote, It seemed to be liquid love within me. I wanted to pour my whole soul out to God. I rushed to the back room to pray. It was as if I met Jesus face to face. Adoniram Judson was a preacher's kid. He was a genius, as they tend to be. Uh, When he was 13 years old, he taught the adult Sunday school class in his father's church using the original Greek New Testament. Graduated from college when he was 17. Brown University. He... uh, During his college years, he wandered from the Lord. He actually had a roommate who was an atheist. 
His roommate's name was Jacob Ames. And he and Jacob Ames took it upon themselves to destroy the faith of as many Christians as they could during their college years. They were brilliant men and they were successful in debate and they were persuasive and, and they, they were somewhat successful in their attack upon young, young believers. They graduated from college. They went their separate ways. Adoniram Judson wandered around, attempted several different careers, and nothing really took. And he was on his way back from an interview by horseback. And he was passing through a small town in the New England area. And he stopped at a small inn and asked for a room. And they said, we have no room. And he said, I'm exhausted. I'll pay you the price of a room if you, if you just let me sleep in the lobby. And the man said, well, I actually do have one room that I could let you have, but you need to know that the man in the adjoining room is, is dying. And, and it, it, it's quite horrible. And he said, I'll, I'll take the room. And he went, went to the room and he got ready for bed that night and and as he closed his eyes to try for sleep, the screams from the room next door were haunting. Uh, he, he had underestimated the power of death. And he lay in bed listening to this man agonize and moan and curse God and beg to die. He drifted off to sleep at 2 or 3 in the morning. The next morning when he went to check out, he asked the, the owner of the inn, did the man in the room next door, he, did he feel better in the night? And the innkeeper said, no, actually he died. Uh, what do you do? You, a man dies in your inn. I mean, how do you arrange, make arrangements? Funeral, what, what, what happens? He says, I usually try to get in touch with nearest of kin, but usually when people die like this in a hotel away, it's because they have no one and, and their life is meaningless. He said, this, this man was different. He was educated. He had family. He was a graduate of Brown University. His name was Jacob Ames. Adoniram Judson said, I left the inn and I climbed on my horse and as I began to ride, these two words beat over and over in my heart. Death, hell. Death, hell. Death, hell. He said, I fell from my horse to the dust and I begged God to have mercy on my soul. And I pledged to him that I would, I would spend the rest of my life spreading his word. Adoniram Judson became one of the first American missionaries to go overseas from the continental U.S. He translated the Bible into Burmese. He wrote while he was working as a missionary, I knew there was more. I believed the Holy Spirit 
as a divine influence, not as a person of the Trinity. One night in prayer, the Lord filled me. My discovery of Him as a person was quiet, it was sure, it was steady, and for the rest of my life, it increased more and more and more. F.B. Meyer lived from 1847 to 1929. He was the president of the National Federation of Free Churches, and he prayed, My Father, if there is one soul more than another within these hills that needs the gift of Pentecost, it is I. I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't know how to ask. I don't know how to receive, and I'm too tired to pray. And he heard a voice say, as you took forgiveness from the dying Christ, take the Holy Ghost from the living Christ. And he said, Lord, as I breathe in this night air, so I breathe into every part of me. Your spirit. C.T. Studd was a cricket player, the best cricket player in England. He was the son of millionaire parents, and he got saved, and he quit cricket, and he got married, and he committed himself to the mission field. And he would spend the rest of his life in places like India and Africa and China. Before he left, he gave all of his inheritance away, uh, and it was millions. He kept 50,000 pounds because he had read in the Bible that he was supposed to take care of his family, and so he gave 50,000 pounds to his wife, and she gave it away, and they left. When they were training as missionaries in China, he led a worship service, and at the end of the service, he invited the people. He said, we're going to close this service by singing, stand up, stand up for Jesus. And, uh, he said everyone was already standing. He felt like they needed to do something to emphasize their declaration. And he invited everyone in the church to stand in their chair. And they climbed into their chairs. They stood in their chairs and they sang, all except one man. There was one man who took offense at this because he thought it was emotional, unnecessary, maybe even dangerous. And when the song was over, he approached Mr. Studd, and it turns out he was actually the senior missionary at that particular station, and he told C.T. Studd, if you ever do anything like that ever again, it will be the last time you lead a service in all of China. A few weeks later, C.T. Studd's fiance at the time uh, and this man, a couple others from their team, were on a boat uh, headed for a training. 
And one day, this man saw C.T. Studd's fiance on the deck of the boat, and he approached her, and he said, I need to ask you a question. He said, I've noticed that you and Mr. Studd seem to enjoy ministry. And she said, yes, we do. And he said, that's interesting to me. I'm committed to ministry. I'm devoted to ministry, but I can't really say that I enjoy ministry the way you seem to. And she said, well, the truth is we we enjoy God. We are committed to God. We are committed to ministry. But the truth is we enjoy him. And our enjoyment of him is what causes us to enjoy ministry. She said to him, it hasn't always been that way. There was a time in our life where we were like you. Doing it, but not enjoying it. She said, we came to a place of absolute and complete surrender to God. And when we surrendered to him, he flooded us with his presence. So much so that, yes, we enjoy God. We enjoy worship. We enjoy ministry. We enjoy life. And he said to her, do you think that God would do that for me? And she said, I'm sure that he will. But first, let me ask you, will you go wherever he asks you to go? Yes, I will. Will you do whatever he asks you to do? Yes, I will. I have one more question, she said. Would you stand in your chair for Jesus? He said, yes, ma'am. I believe I would. She stood up took her chair, handed it to him. She said, here, you can have mine. He turned and he walked into the saloon on the boat. And she wrote in her journal, I don't know whether he went in there to preach or to pray. I just know that when he came out, he was a different man and he would never be the same again. He got right. We have a saying where I came from. She ain't right. Listen to me, people. Some of us in this room aren't right. 
Riverstone is going to be right. We all have to get right. So I know that the reason some of you came today, whether you know it or not, was to get right. Now let's pray. We'll ask our teams if you would come. Get in place. I'm not going to try to explain it any further. I, I trust that what you don't understand, the Holy Spirit will help you understand. If you need to get right today, I want to encourage you to get right today. Don't put it off for tomorrow or next week or even later tonight. Now, let's stand. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move here in this place. I pray that you would convict and that you would convert and that you would consecrate. In Jesus' name, amen.